Good morning and uh, Merry Christmas as we get closer and closer to Christmas Day and we continue in our, our Advent devotions. Lisa has been uh, really leading us in the story of Mary and uh, we come to Mary's, uh, the beginning at least, of Mary's Magnificat, which you could easily call the first Christmas carol, Mary's song. And uh, so we're going to read that in sections. Today we're going to do verses 44 through 49 of Luke chapter 1. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. This is uh, Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, speaking to Mary. And then she says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So, we see such a, a perfect example and, of, of how faith gets all the way to the core of our being. That in some ways, you see, biblical faith has really these three elements to it. And all three are essential for it to be a saving faith. And you see these elements in Mary's progression. See, in biblical faith, you, you, you have to have knowledge of the truth. You have to have an awareness, a recognition of the truth. Without that knowledge of the content, then you have no faith. But it can't simply be that you have knowledge of it. You, there has to be then an intellectual assent to it. There has to be a, an agreement that comes with it, that I agree that this is true, that, that I begin to align myself at least intellectually, with the truth. But again, that's not enough. That's not core belief. And this is what Mary's really talking about. You see, the, the, the last element or the third element of saving faith is, is trust. It's reliance. It's dependence. It's coming to the place where that becomes ultimate to you, becomes an ultimate reality for you. And that's what, that's what we see here. We, we see a progression, and we'll talk... A good bit about this progression, but when she sings this song, and and you know this is a this is a song of wonder. This is a involuntary song of praise. We see that she's gone from having had the announcement and becoming aware of what's about to happen. To beginning to kind of say, you know, I'm your servant, I'll do whatever you want, which is kind of an intellectual assent to it. To say, to this trigger, maybe it's because it is the sign that she needed, that her her cousin, her, her older cousin who's never had a child is now with child. And the child himself in the womb, John, is filled with the Holy Spirit and recognizes the mother of our Lord and recognizes the Lord in her womb, spirit to spirit. 
that Mary comes to a place now where she is she is utterly and completely believing at her core. And so we see this wonderful, wonderful, this teenager, this wonderful experiential coming to the place of trusting God so deeply with something that's about to change her life so radically. Now, I mean, she never, she, she, she has believed at every step of the way, but, but this seeing her cousin, Elizabeth, pregnant, and she hurries, you know, once the angel has completed his message, she hurries to see Elizabeth. And as soon as she sees Elizabeth, Elizabeth begins to prophesy. She has revelation herself from God. And she says, blessed are you, Mary. You believe what the Lord has said to you, that it will be accomplished. And Elizabeth, full of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of the Lord is the spirit of prophecy. And this blessing calls forth then an equally Holy Spirit response. From the very depths of Mary's soul. My soul magnifies the Lord. You see, here she's using a, a it's kind of a Hebrew parallelism where she's using soul and spirit to talk about the center of her being, to talk about every aspect at the core of who she is now rejoices and magnifies the Lord and rejoices in God my Savior. Uh, one writer said, this is a life-changing lyric, not just at Christmas, but for all of life. God is magnified in his weak people when we, like Mary, rejoice in him. The two are connected. God is shown to be magnificent in Mary as she rejoices in him. Because we magnify or honor or glorify what or whom we enjoy. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about this, that there's a part of being a human that the enjoyment of something or the beauty or the wonder of something is not complete until you've shared it with somebody else who can enter into that glory of that moment. A sunset alone is wonderful, but a sunset with somebody else who will glory in that sunset with you is just so much greater, so much more fulfilling. And so here, Elizabeth, in a way, becomes a, she becomes the sign that Mary needed of the wonder of what God's doing in this teenage girl's life. Now she can complete the, the satisfaction, the joy of being this vessel of the Lord with her cousin Elizabeth, who's equally filled with the Holy Spirit. In a way, you know, there's some practical lessons here. One is singing the glory of God doesn't make God more glorious, but it reflects how you have come to experience his glory and you've come to realize how worthy of glory he is. That's what Mary's saying. He's doing something here that cannot be done apart from God. A virgin cannot give birth apart from this miracle. And out of her response to the miraculous work of God and God calling her and God giving her this assignment. She prays one of the most beautiful prayers, sings one of the most beautiful prayers in all of Scripture. And it's, it's so beautiful 
and it's given to her in that moment and it's very real and very true and she gets to complete this amazing beginning by rejoicing and glorifying in the work that God is doing in her life and 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 this is where even as Mary is this this person from an unremarkable town that the world in many ways has no knowledge of whatsoever a, a young woman who says how, you know how can it be not only how can it be possible that a virgin could have a child that alone is mind-blowing but her her in a way her deeper humility is god how is it that you could use me in all of my weakness and all of my limitations and yet you see what she starts to focus on is not her limitations not her weaknesses but she starts to focus on god and she says god has done great things for me she she comes from a humble place and god brings his glory to this humble place it's not background it's not education it's not riches and resources that makes us great her humility her heart, that's what God comes and works with. You know, in a way, to fully get your heart ready using Advent is to say God uses humble people and he uses humble places. It's not the greatness of the people. It's the greatness of God using broken, uh, weak, limited, unknown, humble people. The mighty one can do these things. So, in order to really unpack this, you have to unpack her song a bit. And you have to begin to realize, you know, this isn't just some, this isn't some emotional, sentimental Christmas carol. It's, it's interesting that so many people sing songs at Christmas and have no, me, no understanding of the meaning of those songs whatsoever. I mean, Christmas is a time when people love to sing. And they sing, you know, they sing romantic songs. They sing kind of jingle bells, silly songs, or all these kind of things. But in the midst of that are these life-changing carols that are just as, in some ways, just as deep in theology and just as deep in understanding of the work of God and can actually, if we, if we truly come to the place of soul and spirit that Mary did can change our lives, can make our lives dramatically different. You see, Mary is the very first person whose life is utterly changed by the fact that God became a human. In a way, she's the first Christian because she's the first to receive this message that is the message of Christmas. And it's actually the message of the gospel, which is God's only son, God's only child, became a human so that now all humans can become God's child or God's children. This is the message, and Mary gets this, you see, that God's own son became human so that we who are humans, who are his, his creations, but not by nature sons or daughters, but through Jesus, we who are human can become God's children. And, and you see in her such a, a wonderful pattern of, 
But it doesn't have to dawn on you instantaneously. When she first hears the gospel, it's so beyond belief to her, and it's beyond her comprehension. She has been taught this cannot happen. She has been taught that it is impossible. And, and in a way, it's not till we see here when she meets Elizabeth, and here is Elizabeth's words, that, that Mary is able to go into full surrender, into full belief. My soul, my spirit is completely changed. And now her song is the response of the ever innermost being to the, and it is the greatest evidence of the change. I love this story, the way Luke tells it. And again, you, you have to remember, Luke was a historian. He went and interviewed Mary himself. This is straight from Mary's own lips of how she processed the angel's message, Gabriel's message. But she, at the very first, didn't say, oh, this is such a meaningful thing, and, and Christmas is going to be a wonderful time of the year. First thing to ask was, how can this be? How can this be? And, you know, when we look at this song, you begin to understand that she goes from, how can this be, to my soul and my spirit magnifies the Lord. She she goes from, from doubt because it's outside of her paradigm. It's outside of her belief system. She goes from doubt to deep core change. How does she get there? Well, verse 48 and 49, which are the beginning of her song, have, two have one word that has deep significance for her change. It's the little word, <coughs> excuse me, it's the little word for. You see, where there is that, that word for, she's explaining the cause of her change. She's, for means because, the cause of her change. And she says it twice. You see, what Mary sings about and what we sing about in real Christmas songs about the Savior can transform us not because, not because of something within us, but because of something working on us. That when these truths that Mary grasped, that she, she took into the very soul and spirit, into the deepest core of her being, these truths became real to her, then they became the cause of her joy, and they were the source of her song. So over the next few days, we'll look at this song, and we'll look at the cause of this deep change in this teenager. The first is that she sings of God's nature. You know, she doesn't sing about the holiday season. She doesn't sing about, you know, the weather or, you know, her romantic intentions. She sings about the deep truth of God's nature. And then she explains God's purposes and what he's doing in Jesus. And then, and finally, she really shows us and, and this word almost seems inadequate, inadequate, but it's the word adequacy. See, in the Christmas season, you begin to understand God is adequate for any season. There's an adequacy to God. So let's look at the nature of God as Mary is changed by her encounter with him. You know, first and foremost, if you, if you really, you know, you watch... Hallmark movies, or I think Up TV has them, Netflix has them. 
there's all of these very sentimental Christmas movies and Christmas shows. And, it, uh, and, and what's used, it's a very humanistic view of Christmas, but what's, what's in the midst of it is that it's the season of change for human behavior. In other words, rich people become generous, uh, city people go to the country, find the love of their life, you know, fall out, then realize, oh, I can't live without this person. And it's all the magic of Christmas. Children get their dreams fulfilled, everything. Uh, you know, people who never got along before are told, hey, get along because it's Christmas. Well, that, that's the humanistic version of Christmas, but it's not the meaning of Christmas. It's the result of Christmas. Every single thing that we see where people get along better, where there's some sense of love in the air, where there's some joy in children in the air, these, these are results. These are not the meaning. This is not the, the, the purpose of Christmas. You see, the problem for many people is all they have is a warm feeling without the ultimate meaning. And Mary says, the cause of my song, the cause of my glory and my joy and what's about to happen to me is that God has revealed himself to me, his nature. And I'm going to look at two of those attributes this morning. And I, I think they matter so much and so deeply to us and transform us if we'll hold on to it in the midst of difficult circumstances. Here is Mary equipped by the Holy Spirit, responding to the Holy Spirit. And she says, he is mighty. He is the mighty one. You know, she's about to give birth as a, birth, as a virgin. You know what she's saying? God can do anything. God is all powerful. Nothing is impossible. That's what she's singing. You see, when she said, how can this be? I've, I've not been with a man. There's no way I could be pregnant. She was saying, this is impossible. And Gabriel's answer was, nothing is impossible with God. You understand, Mary first thought that Gabriel could not possibly be speaking the truth. But Mary is a religious, devout woman who knew something of the attributes of God. So she had an intellectual understanding that God is all-powerful. She had an intellectual understanding that God is omnipotent. But now, you see, she's having to believe it for herself She's having to take the concept and now make it her experience. And when she sings, she's saying, this was once something I assented to, but now it is something I depend upon. He is almighty. He is omnipotent. Nothing is impossible. And I believe it. In a way, you see Gabriel, in telling her something impossible for her, was saying to, to her, do you really believe in God? And if you really do believe in God, then wouldn't he have the power to do this? See, how does this speak to us? Well, when I sing the Christmas carols, and I say, the word of God made flesh. When I say the son of God born in a manger, then I, then I have to look and say, do I believe in a limited God? Or do I believe in an all-powerful God? See, even though we believe and sing the Christmas story, we live as if 
there's so many things that are impossible for God. See, we, can't, we might intellectually, theologically believe, we might even confess it. But every time we give in to worry and anger and fear, we're saying, I don't really believe. See, nothing is impossible for him. Nothing. It holds him back from the work in your life. And at Christmas is a reminder, Mary said, the mighty one is at work for you. The second attribute that I want to finish up on today is Mary says he's holy. You see, if, if the longer we live in this world, the, and, and the older I get, which today is my birthday, so I'm another year older, it's so interesting that things that used to bother me so much of sin in the past, it's almost like I've adjusted to it. They don't bother me. I become familiar. I become somewhat hardened by it. And I just say, well, that's the way the world is. That's the way people are. That's the way I am. And we just sort of, we sort of get a very lackadaisical kind of view of sin. Do you understand what Christmas is saying? Do you understand what Mary's saying? That God never gets used to sin. He is not and he never will accommodate or excuse sin. He takes it so seriously that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal God himself, came to deal with our sin. He came actually to become our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. He's come to deal with our flaws, with our limitations. He's come, he's come to bring healing to our weaknesses. This is such an amazing truth. One person put it this way, the view of God is that the universe is a speck. It's just a small thing compared to his, his size, his, his magnificence. But he became a speck. Even at one point being just a single cell. <laughs> so that he could deal with your sin, your guilt, and your shame. Christmas is not only expression that nothing is impossible for God. Christmas is an expression of how holy God is. And that there's only one way to come in right relationship with him, and that's through his son. For there is not enough righteousness or holiness in any other human being. No one has lived this life in the way that Jesus has. He became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God, so you could be accepted by God. So as we meditate on this song of Mary, and we'll look again at another part of it tomorrow, but it's a personal song. It's not just a liturgical, ritualistic song, some, some form of religious worship. Now this is Holy Spirit response. My soul, my spirit, she said. It's wonder, it's involuntary praise that comes forth because of what she's seen, and she has to share it or it's not complete because the joy that she's experienced at God working in her life. Now, if, if you understand the story, her life is going to be turned upside down. Everything is going to be topsy-turvy. It's the beginning of a very difficult season, and yet her faith is rock solid from the beginning to the end. See, when you truly magnify the Lord, when you really see how glorious he is, you become like Mary. We acknowledge our own guilt and sin and shame, our own humble estate. 
and we are overwhelmed by the mighty God. Can you, as you sing these Christmas carols, can you say, Lord, I want a heart like Mary's. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he who is mighty has done great things, and holy is his name. Let's sing like Mary this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.